Daniel started us off last week in Psalm 31, and this week I'll be speaking in Psalm 136, if you want to turn to that now, or you can just listen along while I read it. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto God, God's, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the Lord of Lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that hath made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endureth forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which smote great kings, for his mercy endureth forever. And slew famous kings, for his mercy endureth forever. Sihon, king of Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Basan, for his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for an heritage, for his mercy endureth forever. Even an heritage unto Israel, his servant, for his mercy endureth forever. He remembered us in the lowest state, for his mercy endureth forever. And hath redeemed us from our enemies, for his mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. Psalm 136 is a special psalm, with each one of his 26 verses repeating the sentence, for his mercy endureth forever. This psalm was designed for the public worship uh, and especially sung at the Passover. You can almost picture it, the big crowd of people gathered listening to someone reading out the scriptures and singing, which is a rare sight these days. Bringing this simple phrase uh, down and uh, bringing this simple phrase down the simple the first word is his meaning God God's mercy endures forever mercy uh, being compassionate having the capability to forgive or and showing kindness and lastly endures forever meaning his mercy f- never fails or never ends God endures all things meaning he outlasts all things and this could be very relevant today with being in lockdown, having to do online schooling tests. We are not the only ones having to deal with this alone. God is right here along with us and won't ever leave or give up on us. But this chapter is also about God's love, thanksgiving and remembering. This psalm begins by extolling God's power in creation. Verse 4, to him who, who doeth great things for his mercy endureth forever. And bringing us back to the very beginning in verse 5 to 9. For example, verse 6, to him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. He is referring to the third day of creation, verse uh, chapter 1, verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together onto one place and let the dry, um, let the dry land appear. And it was so. The next major part in this chapter is verses 11, 24. 
of this psalm it shows God's love, grace and keeping his promises on behalf of his chosen people, the Israelites. Verse 11 to 16 shows God helping the Israelites escaping from Egypt. Verse 11, and brought out Israel from among them. Verses 13, which divided the Red Sea. And verses 16, and led his people through the wilderness. Now verses 17, 17 to 21 is a good example, which covers two great kings, Sihon and Og. These were two kings that I didn't know much about. So I found out they appear in Numbers chapter 21, which is a story that takes place while the Israelites were wandering through the desert after they had been freed from the Egyptians and before they had settled in the promised land. This place is called the promised land because God promised it to Abraham and the Israelites back in Genesis. The Israelites wanted to pass through the land on the Amorites on their way to the promised land. So they sent a message to the king Zihon in chapter 22, uh, in verse 22 in Numbers chapter 21, if anybody wants to look at it. So Zion would not let the Israelites pass through the, his land. Instead, he gathered his entire army and met them for battle. God gave the Israelites a great victory over the Amorites and Zion that day. After this, another king, the king of Basan, whose name is Ag, he and his army also came out and met Israel for battle. Once again, the Lord gave the Israelites the victory. These two kings, Zion and Ag, serve as examples of very powerful men who thought they could stop God and the Israelites. These kings thought they could stand in their way of God, fulfilling his promise to his people. But they were wrong. God always fulfills his promises. Verse 25, For who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. I think this refers back to the promise, uh, to God's promise to Noah, after the food to sustain all flesh. The idea being that if God cares for and feeds the unsaved, he will take care of you, uh, and we should all be thankful for and give thanks for every meal. Verse number 26, O oh, give thanks unto God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. You see the three words, God of heaven. This is the only time it occurs here in Psalms. You can check it if you want to. It points to him uh, ruling from heaven, which he made and thus rules over all. Just as I finished, the people of Israel are not the only people who needed to remember that God fulfills his promises. We sometimes doubt that God can actually work with us and our problems. He did it when he defeated Sihon and Og, and he does it today. He will take care of us just as he took care of his people all those years ago. David repeated those six words, for his mercy endureth forever, 26 times, clearly making this important statement, even through the tough times we can use this in everyday life next time you're feeling down or alone just take it out of this psalms psalm 136 verse 1 oh give thanks unto the lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever thank you so guys i'll give a wee bit more of an expanded background to who i am and what i do as a kind of background to how i faced uncertainty in my life and so Whenever you're taking in anything that anyone's given from their testimony, obviously always filter it through your own knowledge of scripture and how God works in your life and how God's worked through other people's lives. But I'm going to share my story anyway. So um I was born in a Christian home with a really great uh, Christian family. Uh, Mom and dad, uh, Glenn and Fiona were big uh, leaders in First Saintfield, uh, Presbyterian. So they would have been... Uh, youth leaders whenever uh, me and my brothers Dean and Ben 
uh, were younger. So I'm the eldest of, of three brothers. So that was a chaotic house uh, growing up. And as Ross can probably attest to, it never got less chaotic whenever we're together. It's always been good crack. Uh, so really good, um, you know, church background, uh, great family, brought up through BB and through Sunday school, won the Scripture Cup twice in a row, two years in a row, is my big claim to fame in First Sainfield. Um, you know, and was always very involved in church and stuff. So had a lot of good positive role models through church as well, which is fantastic. Um, so I went to um, the academy, uh, academy primary school, that is, which I'm sure a few of you guys have probably been to as well. And um, then went to Down High afterwards. So that's kind of my background going up to uh, right through from primary school to high school. So an important thing in that time, probably just to give a wee bit of background to some stuff that happened to me after that is um, like I was a bit of a nerd in school now what i do is i make video games in fact i I teach kids how to make video games so that's 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 what's hiding behind that the title of interactive media lecture is really you know video games essentially um so there was a number of reasons that throughout primary school even though academy is a great place and down high is not too bad either um i was bullied very very badly i would say throughout primary school and high school so that kind of had a knock-on impact to things in my life, and it really led to a lot of personal uncertainty and uncertainty to my future as well. So that's the kind of background. Great Christian family and parents and stuff like that, but definitely faced a lot of adversity and things and bullying and all of that right the way through school. So that that deeply affected me. Um, so it's just it's just important as a wee background piece to to what kind of came next in my life. So let's talk a wee bit about um, uncertainty in general. So I looked up the dictionary definition from the Cambridge Dictionary, and it said a situation in which something is not known. And the second definition, which is less helpful, was um, a situation which is not certain for uncertainty, which seems fairly obvious. Um, okay, so that wasn't very helpful, but it's the unknown. It is the unknown that people fear. It's the unknown that is essentially um, what uncertainty is all about. So uncertainty can take a lot of different forms. So, and it can happen in your life for a number of different reasons. So maybe you have a decision to make, like a big life decision about, you know, what's what school to go to or um, where to go after university, something like that. And it's new to you. So you just don't know how to approach that situation. So any situations you come across as you grow up through life that are brand new to you, you have no background knowledge of how to approach that. So that's naturally going to lead to uncertainty. Um, uncertainty can also be in the gray areas of our life. The times whenever choices aren't obvious, they're not black and white, they're not this is what Jesus would do and this is what Jesus wouldn't do kind of things, you know. And there's a lot of those areas that you'll come across in your life. So um, like when you get married, say, and you have to choose between living close to one family or living close to another family, okay, there's wee decisions like that. Neither, neither one's inherently bad or evil, but they're difficult choices to make. And it leads to uncertainty when you need to choose a partner for like a uni or a school project. And you're trying to work out which mate is going to be least offended if you choose the other one. Things like that, where there's no right and wrong necessarily, but it does lead to uncertainty. Or maybe a good friend or a family member makes a poor choice of, say, their girlfriend, a boyfriend or their fiance. And you don't know how or whether to tell them 
that you feel that this person you shouldn't be with this person until they get married and then it's too late okay things like that like really eat at you like do you potentially ruin your friendship to tell this person or do you let it slide and just see how their life works out you're going to face lots of circumstances like that that naturally have uncertainty built into them so uncertainty can even come uh, whenever you know what the right choice is um, in life but you're ignorant to the reality of that decision so often this is whenever you have a good or a bad choice to make but the good choice, especially if it means uh, sacrificing things for Christ, be that your um, credibility in front of your friends um, or um, committing to something that will be very difficult. It means that often the right de decision to make is a very, very difficult one. So that can lead to uncertainty because you're always tempted to go for the, uh, the easy way out. Um, so uncertainty often deals with things that are about to happen in the future. Some of us will live in kind of constant fear of the uncertainty of what is about to happen. Uh, so the knock on impact of, say, taking three years out to study in university, whether or not to go to university, the health of an elderly family member and knowing how long they're going to be with you, whether you should stay near home with them, whether or not a guy or a girl that you like is marriage material and the uncertainty of choosing whether or not to date that person. Um, if you invest into a house or a property, is that going to be worth anything in 10 years time? There's uncertainty about so many things and aspects of the future that we couldn't possibly know. And a lot of things that God is not necessarily going to reveal to us in very obvious terms. So uncertainty is something that we're going to face is what I'm trying to say. And it in and of itself is not a sin. It's kind of like temptation. We're all going to face temptation. But it's really how you deal with it that is the important thing. It's about how you respond to the situations that come up. In fact, it, we're told in the Bible not to be too certain of ourselves and too certain of our own plans. So it reminds me of a song. I don't know if you know the song by, I think it's King's Kaleidoscope. It's to the tune of Aud Lang Sang. And uh, the words of it are, to you who boast tomorrow's gain, tell me what is your life? A mist that vanishes at dawn, all glory be to Christ. And it reminds me of uh, the verses that it comes from, from James 4 here, 13 to 17, which I'll just read for you. It says, come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and feels to do it, for him, it is sin. So there is such a thing as being too certain of yourself and being too confident in your future and what is to come. We all, at the end of the day, answer to God, and God has a plan for all of us that um, we cannot know. Um, so that's not that's perhaps not the most comforting verse to someone who is uncertain, but it is important as a rebuke to the pride and the person who's overly certain in their life. So let's dial that back to uncertainty. And I'm going to talk a wee bit about times that I have faced uncertainty in my life. So you kind of got a background to where I was at uh, coming up to uh, coming up out of high school in Down High, had faced um, a lot of bullying 
um, was uncertain of who I was. It was uncertain of my, of the reality of, uh, who I was in relationship with Christ and um, was uncertain about what I wanted to do with my life. A lot of things just that just came together at once. So uh, I ended up, you know, in a very bad way, unfortunately, was very uh, anxious, very depressed. Um, and that took up about three years of my life. So three, three years that were really just like a black hole. Uh, so I went to uh, Queen's University after Down High. And uh, in my second year of that course, I dropped out. And that was kind of like rock bottom for me. Um, at that point, um, I had more or less decided that I didn't know whether or not I was a Christian. Okay. So I was, you know, at a very, very desperate point. I remember talking to um, a psychologist because I had to go and talk to someone about, you know, medications and all of that kind of thing. Um, whenever you get in a bad way. And I remember saying to him that I was really distraught over not knowing whether or not God was real and not knowing whether or not I should or shouldn't be a Christian. And I remember that person saying to me, you know, you really need to wise up. Um, everyone eventually grows up and learns that there is no God kind of thing, which was just a, a crazy thing for any medical professional to say to, um, you know, someone who's struggling with all of these things. So be wary who you take advice from and be wary of um, even professional people whenever it comes to your faith. Um, you know, look to the Bible is what I would say about that. So the important thing is I had come to a point in my life where there was a lot of uncertainty and most of it hinged around my identity in Christ and that foundation being shaken and every other aspect of my life being shaken as a result of that. Okay, so I was dropped out of uni um, I was working in Jackson's in Sainfield at the time. I worked there for a long time, nearly 10 years, actually. So I was still working there. Um, so that was the situation that I was in, uncertain, not knowing what the future held for me, not knowing whether or not I could rely on the Bible and therefore all of my foundations were kind of shaken. OK, so that was a big period of uncertainty in my life that I faced without um, a relationship with Christ, and it was incredibly difficult. Uh, the next situation was coming back to Christ. Um, so St. Patrick's Day in 2009, on March 19th, it was actually the wee hours of the, of the day after, um, I, I, I hit a really low point, and Christ just, I, I remembered all of the love that I had experienced from being in church from reading God's word, from the certainty that I got from knowing Christ and knowing that Jesus had loved me. And it was really a lack of love on my part. It was a lack of commitment on my part that had led me to this position that I was in. God had never left me. And, you know, Christ was always there with me and was always available. It was me who was running away from God. The Bible was right there in front of me. His word was there to guide me. And it was really me that had had turned my back on the things that I had been so certain about before. Um, so Christ really came into my life in a very powerful way and removed so many obstacles uh, for me. And, you know, it was hard work coming out of that time, especially because I felt like I had three years, which is a fairly big gap of your life, that were completely wasted, you know, that had been wasted away due to mental health issues and all sorts of things, okay? And God just reached in and pulled me out of that hole in an absolutely spectacular way. 
So that was something that was something that I was very certain of that Christ had saved me. It hadn't been my friends. I wasn't relying on my family's religion or my family's relationship with Christ. This is my own relationship with Christ. He had saved me. Now you'd never need to get to that stage of reaching rock bottom. And I, I hope and pray that none of you ever do, but some people just don't manage to grow a faith of their own. And they need that certainty to be instilled in them of who Christ is of the reality of God's word and the, the truth of the inerrant word of scripture. Um, and it took me to be in a very dark place to get there, uh, unfortunately. But, you know, the, the important thing was that God pulled me out of that. So that was the first time that I'd been certain in years and years of my life. I was just on fire for, for Christ and so glad that he had kind of reached into that pit and rescued me. But I had a decision to make. I just decided to go to art college. I was already in my uh, first year of art college whenever I got saved. And so I had to decide whether to stick with art college or leave it. And in my year, I studied sculpture. There wasn't a single Christian in the entire place. I remember whenever I was in final year, especially of art college, um, there wasn't one other Christian in my entire department for first year, second year, or third year. So I had to decide... Did I want to be a Christian in what was a very secular environment or did I want to come out of that and do something else? Um, And that was a period of uncertainty that was difficult for me because it was one of those situations where God didn't give me necessarily a black and white answer. And the important thing to do for me at that point was to decide to live for Christ where I was and to just keep going with that. So I didn't know where that was going to lead. I really didn't enjoy the course either. So that was a big period of uncertainty for me. The difference between that period and the period before that was that I had the certainty in Christ. And the the amount of joy that I had in my life and the lack of despair that I had just because I knew Christ, it didn't matter what direction my life was heading, essentially. I was just concentrating on the fact that I had this new relationship and I had this newfound love for for, for Christ. Um, and that was really what got me through our college, which was a difficult period of my life, but nothing compared to what I had been through. So I really felt strengthened by, uh, you know, that process. I'd say university was pretty negative for me in general, but the experience of being there with Christ, even in a dark place, was a positive. So um, that was night and day difference. So after uni, and this will happen to a few guys, no matter what you decide to study or do, Whenever you kind of graduate, you hit this weird point where you come out of university and you have a degree, but you have no idea what to do with it. A lot of degree courses now don't lead instantly in the jobs, especially if you go to art college, you'll probably find um, that that doesn't naturally lead you into a job. I know Ross and the guys have given me a ribbon about uh, how useless a degree in art can be. (laughs) Um, But uh, so I came out there and I was very uncertain of what to do with my life in general. What I decided to do was um, move back in with my parents because I'd been uh, living in Belfast while I was doing art college and really, really commit to church. Um, so at the time, I was at Hinch Baptist Church of Ross. Uh, me and Ross got to know each other during that time because I started you know, being a leader in uh, senior youth and leading cell groups, which Ross was a part of, and all sorts of things that really were defining things in my life. Um, so that that uncertainty of not knowing what I was going to do after uni 
it didn't matter in the face of I did know what to do in terms of being involved in church, in terms of trying to help other young people out with their lives and with their questions and their doubts, especially maybe people who had had mental health issues like I had. And um, so I, I spent two years living with my parents and just working on my skills. Um, I'd done traditional art and I needed, I wanted to be an illustrator, a digital illustrator. So I sat and did that at home in my spare time. And I spent a lot of time in the church. I spent a, a lot of time um, relearning how to read God's word and pray and just, just be a part of the church. Um, and that was really, really helpful time to me. So a lot of people could have looked at that as two years of your life you know, that were, that were very difficult or were spent, you know, in uncertain times, not knowing if anything was going to lead to uh, a job after it. But the very fact that I was so involved in church really carried me through that. So no matter, no matter what point of life you're, you're at, being heavily involved in church doesn't mean you need to volunteer for everything, but staying connected to your brothers and sisters in Christ can really pull you through at those times. And that's one thing you can be certain of that uh, whenever you devote time to God, it will not be time wasted. Um, so that leads me to the next point of uncertainty. And this was a big one for me. Um, I was saved. I just met a really nice girl, Rebecca, uh, a good Christian girl uh, up here in Antrim, where I am now in uh, Ballyclare County Antrim. And um, I was unemployed. What had happened was, uh, fast forward from that two years out from uni, I taught myself how to do digital art. I got a job in the games industry. I was working in games for a couple of years um, in studios in Belfast. And things became very difficult for me as a Christian there. Uh, one of the studios that I was working in, the last studio, they offered me one of the only full-time art positions that was going for a year's rolling contract. And at that time, that studio was talking about um, making video games that weren't were things that I would not be proud of being involved in. And they were also talking about making content like uh, animation content for kids that was, uh, you know, uh, going to be promoting issues that I wasn't on board with. And they also started to remove any Christian content from the studio at all. So we had like water coolers from Christian, Christian aid and they would, remove the stickers, the Christian Aid stickers from all the things and started plastering over all the Christian Aid logos on the water coolers. Um, and then they stopped fund, uh, funding that company. So we were out without a water cooler for a long time and work just because they dislike Christians so much that they refused to help Christian Aid out by buying the water from the supplier that supplied our water, um, our water fountain, which is crazy that, that to go to that depth of it. And this is a company that I could not commit to working with. It just suddenly became very problematic for me. So I left that company after they offered me a big job and I was completely unemployed. I really wanted to propose to Becky um, and kind of get engaged. At least that was my hope if she said yes. And um, I, I was burning through my savings. So I was unemployed for five or six months or so. And that's... Uh, was a real time of uncertainty because I was still paying rent. I was living in Balnehenge at the time. My savings were just going through the ground. I was like, how am I ever going to get married? How am I going to, you know, afford stuff? A lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty, but I just prayed that 
you know, I'd taken a leap of faith. And it's not that God owed me anything because God doesn't owe us anything. He's already paid the ultimate price whenever he sent Christ to die for us. So he certainly didn't owe me anything for me leaving um, leaving work, even though it was kind of on his on his behalf, because it was for, um, you know, reasons of my faith and conflicts of interest. But God really did catch me as I, I you know, I, I expected that he would. And he came through this teaching job that I'm in now came completely out of the blue and a former uh, colleague contacted me and said, listen, there's this post. I think you'd be great for it. You should interview. Uh, and it just, it just came at the right time for me. It really did. And God kind of led me into a role in education now. And um, so I'm a teacher instead of being someone who actually makes games and content. I teach kids graphic design and all sorts of things like that. And it's just been really, really positive for me. So that was another huge period of uncertainty for me. And the important thing for me really was doing what was right at the time. It would have been much easier for me to stick with my job, which was a good and well, a fairly well-paid job, instead of just jumping out into the unknown. And right now, guys, you know, we're in a very uncertain time. We've just reached this pandemic. There's constant lockdowns. You're in and out of school. I've been in and out of school um, with work. And there's a lot of uncertainty, but there's a lot of things that we can take away um, from God's word um, and from Christ's example. And the example of others in the Bible is really encouraging to hear um, Psalm 136 there and uh, remember what he has done for his mercy endureth forever. Remembering what God has done for you can really help whenever it comes to the uncertain. Um, So a couple of takeaways would be wherever you are, cling to Christ. Um, So a favorite analogy of mine would be falling down a cliff, right? If you're falling down like a rocky cliff face or like a, you know, a slope that's kind of given way, the thing that you reach for is going to be the thing that you have the most faith is going to hold up. It's going to catch you. So you're not going to be clawing at grass. You're going to be looking for branches and things that are actually going to take your weight. And it's very telling in people's lives whenever things go wrong, they will reach for the things that really matter for them. They'll reach for the things that they have faith in. So make sure that whenever things do go wrong in your life, and they will, and this pandemic is something that's gone wrong for all of us, reach for Christ, strengthen your relationship in Christ, and things will not um, go wrong for you. Things that, you know, he, he will always, um, he will always be there for you. So that's just one thing that you'll notice about people around you. When bad things happen to them, they will reach for, you know, some people reach for substances like alcohol and drugs. Some people reach for relationships and just get super, super involved with that person. But it's Christ who's never going to leave you or forsake you. So it's Christ who you should reach for whenever um, th- whenever uncertainty um, enters your life. The other thing I'd say was seek a Christ-centered response. Seeking time with Christ will never return void. Just like Christ's word will never return void. If you devote yourself to it, to learning it and to preaching it, time spent working for, for the church and in your local church will never be time that's wasted. And that certainly bore out in my life. And um, so always make room for God, even when though we tend to get very selfish whenever things go wrong in our lives and we focus inwardly to try and f- fix all of our problems, make room for God in in those uh, circumstances. 
And the last thing is uncertainty provides opportunities for growth. So um, Christ is there to be relied on. God is strong enough for us to cast all of our burdens and concerns on. So whenever we do have those uncertain times, even if there are those gray areas that we don't know how to make the right decision, it's an opportunity for prayer and it's an opportunity for us to show our faith. So I'm just going to leave off with two uh, Bible passages that um, I think are helpful in that. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 is the first. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So whatever whatever that uncertainty is, it's important that you don't lean on what you know, that you're not so confident in what's going to happen that you automatically know the answer. Always go to God with the questions um, and maybe he will open doors for you that you hadn't even considered. And the, the last one is Psalm 37 and it's verse 23 to 24. And it says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, but that comes with a condition when he delights in his way. So it's really important for us to delight in God, to enjoy spending time in praise and time in the company of other Christians. It's really cool to hear that you guys will be doing uh, Bible studies coming up. So commit yourselves to time spent in his word and to um, applying that to your lives and just enjoying being around each other and being around opportunities to share what Christ has done for you. Um, so that's that's all I have to say on that, guys. But uh, I'm very glad to take any questions if anyone has any about anything. Yeah, so if anybody has any questions, like please feel free to fire them out there now. Now's the time to ask. Uh, I'll go first and ask a question. Is there any sure. particular passages that, that you remember from your times of uncertainty in your life that really stood out to you? Uh, what particular passages were they? Yeah, I think um, Romans 12 has always been a big influence on my life. So times of uncertainty, it would be... Um, do not be conformed um, to this world would be like a big thing for me. Um, uh, but be conformed by the renewing of your mind. Like that, um, kind of, it depends what version you read, you read, I guess. But that has really been um, something that I've taken with me everywhere because working in the games industry like I did and even working in education now, you're constantly surrounded by people who aren't Christians. There's no one in my department that I know of who's a Christian in work now. But the 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 strength that God gives you from not conforming to the world and not choosing the easy way out and being renewed by making the right choices, um, you know, you can really go from strength to strength with that knowledge. So Romans 12 would be a big one. Um, but that whole part of Romans 12 from one to verse one to five is really worth, uh, um, reading about devoting your whole bodies to uh, you, your whole body and everything to Christ. I'm going to have to look it up, Ross, because unfortunately I don't know it off by heart anymore. Um, if that's okay, but that would be a big one. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So that is that the only way you're going to know God's will is by devoting your bodies and everything that you do to him. It really is a, a proper transformation of your motivations and of your life. So like I certainly lived that and have experienced that. So, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for this fellowship and this studer. God, I thank you that you've given us Christ. You've given us every reason to hope, Lord. And God, in the face of all sorts of uncertainty and adversity, Lord, Father, you've given us reason to trust in you, Lord. God, we thank you for the faithful um, readings and preaching from your word, Lord, and hearing from uh, the Psalms there, Lord. God, how you have been there for your people through all of their trials and all of their temptations, Lord, through the desert and through wandering, looking for the promised land, Lord, through evil kings and through um, evil rulers, Lord. God, you've rescued your people. And Father, you've adopted us into your family to be a part of your people. Father, we give you thanks for the love that you have shown us, that you know us each intimately, Lord, and God, that you want to be involved in each of our lives. And so, Father, we look to you for your plans. And Father, we set aside our plans and the things that we can never be certain of to follow you, God. I just pray, um, Lord, that by your spirit, you would work in our hearts to um, help conform us more to the image of Christ, Lord, and make the right decisions whenever uncertainty comes our way. Father, I thank you for um, these guys, and I pray that you'll bless their time in their prayer meetings um, ahead, Lord. Father, be with them, I pray, and strengthen them in the face of all adversity. In Jesus' name, amen.